Let's go. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. It was a great video. Hope you guys are having a great long weekend. Um, I know it's been a very busy weekend for uh, us. My wife and I, we just moved, and so we were packing boxes the last couple of days. I used to make this joke to my friends. I'm like, you know when people invite you over to help them uh, move, but then it turns into a packing party? And then this time, it was my turn to move, and then we were the ones that needed help packing. Like, our friends were like, what do you want this? I'm like, just in that box right there and this over there. And so I felt a little bit embarrassed, but I'm so thankful for everyone that helped us move. And now that we're moved, well, we haven't settled in yet, but we're just excited for this long weekend. Um, and so I hope you guys have a great long weekend, too, because I'm excited to preach God's Word this morning. Um, and we're in a series called POV. Um, if you haven't been here this summer, I'd recommend going and listen to the past messages. We've just been talking about Jesus's point of view. Um, I mean, all these people's point of view with Jesus and their interaction. And today I get to end that series. Um, and before I end that series, um, let me just tell you quickly about myself. Is My name um, is Peter, like Pastor Madison mentioned, and I work here as a youth and young adult pastor. Um, every time I preach, I like to talk about my family. I just think they're the best. Um, they're funny. Uh, but something interesting about my family is we love Bible names. Anyone else love Bible names? Kind of. Who has a Bible name here? Just wave, wave at me so I know I'm not alone. I thought there'd be way more people. Hmm. Things have changed, 2023. Um, we just love Bible names. So my dad's name is Samuel, Bible name. My mom's name is Angelique, also Bible name, Angel. My older sister's name is Lawrence Zawadi, which means wisdom. My other sister is Nema Jislen. She's somewhere here. It was her birthday a couple days ago, uh, which means grace. Come on. She hates when I do this. Um, and then I have another sister named Linda Benedict, which means blessing. My brother that you guys don't know, his name is Isaac. And then the one that you guys know and is back for school is David, another Bible name. Um, that was a really mean look, bro. What's going on? I'm just... Just, it's an analogy, bro. <laughs> Anyways, we just love Bible names. We love Bible names. Um, and I think there's this kind of this, this unspoken agreement where it's like we all know the Bible names that we love and the ones that we completely avoid. Am I right? Like there's just the Bible names that you're not. Like, for example, like no one's going to name their kid Cain. You don't want to set up your son to like murder his brother, right? So it's like you just want to stay away from that. If there's a Cain, <laughs> is there a Cain? <laughs> No one's going to name their daughter Jezebel. Some of you guys are like, what's wrong? That's a pretty name. <laughs> or, um, I don't have any issues with this one, but no one's going to name their daughter Bathsheba, you know? <laughs> like Bathsheba, when she's young, you're like, she has issues with showering outside, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I was listing these names to my family, and then David's like, what about Lucifer? I'm like, dude, I don't think anyone's thinking Lucifer. I don't think, and he tried to redeem it. He's like, Lucy. I'm like, stop, don't ruin it. No one's thinking about Lucifer. No one is. But the name that I want to focus on today is Judas. Judas. I don't think anyone's rushing to name their kids Judas. Pastor Dave and I were talking about my sermon this past week, and he's like, can you imagine if there's a Judas in the room? <laughs> So if there is, we love you, you're welcome, we just don't trust you, but we love you. <laughs> no, Judas, if you guys don't know why that's not a name that anyone's rushing to name, is Judas is the guy in the Bible that betrayed Jesus. This is the guy, and it's so fascinating. It's fascinating because Judas walked with Jesus for three years. So Judas got to see everything. The miracles, the first miracle when Jesus turned the water into wine, Judas was there. 
Some of you guys are like, I wish I was there. Like Judas was there when he saw that. Judas saw the healings, the miracles. He saw when Jesus walked on water and he calmed the stone. He saw when Jesus brought Lazarus from the dead. Like Judas got to see all this stuff. And yet he still betrayed Jesus. And this long weekend, I actually want to tell you how you and I are very similar to Judas. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> you guys are like, out of all the topics in the Bible, you're going to pick that one? I'm like, yeah, I just, this is what the Lord led me to. And so we're going to talk about Judas. If you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew 26, Matthew 26, we're going to be in this chapter, this whole message, and I'll bounce around, but let's go to Matthew 26. And um, I want to start our reading from Matthew 26, verse 20, okay? And this is what it says. Matthew 26, verse 20. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12 disciples. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? Verse 23 says, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scripture declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. And in verse 25, Judas, the one who betrayed him, asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. And so there's a lot of tension at that dinner. Um, and so for the next two hours and 45 minutes, I want to talk about, i just kidding. I make that joke all the time. Maybe one day I'll actually preach for us. Um, okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Everyone close your eyes. If you could put your hand on your heart or open them up. Let's just posture ourselves to receive. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. We praise you and worship you. Thank you for the amazing time of worship. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for our church family and that we can get together. And God, I just pray that you would open up our eyes to see you, to see your beauty, to see who you really are. I pray that you soften hearts this morning. I don't know who's in the room that needs their heart softened. I just pray that you soften our hearts. And God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your message. And we, we all leave here changed and different. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen, amen. Okay, like I mentioned, I think you and I are very similar to Judas. There's some Judas in us. And the interesting thing about Judas is my wife and my sister and I were sitting in the office a couple weeks ago, and we opened up the Bible, and we started looking through all the places that it talks about Judas, so all the Gospels, we read about it. And then when they left, I opened up some commentaries. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Why did he do it? And I listened to some of my favorite preachers, and I asked some mentors for advice, and I was sitting there. I'm like, why would he do it? Why would you betray Jesus? And so I landed on three thoughts, okay, three thoughts that I want to share with you. The first one is this. I think... His view of Jesus was different. His view of Jesus was different. What's your view of Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? How do you see Jesus? Because that determines if you're going to betray him or not. Let me show you Judas's view, okay? So Jesus, they're sitting at a table having a nice dinner. I'm kind of curious if he waited for like the awkward silence, you know, or he just kind of jumped in. But he says this, he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, okay? And then look at verse 22. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? Am I the one, Lord? So the rest of the disciples, there's 12 of them, Jesus is sitting, and they all look, and they're, and they're like, am I the one, Lord? Look at verse 25. Judas, the one who betrayed him, asked, Rabbi, am I the one? Rabbi, am I the one? And we see here very quickly, so this is what's happening here. So the disciples, they're sitting at dinner, they're having a great dinner with Jesus, um, and then Jesus just kind of waits for this moment to just drop this bomb. One of you is going to betray me. 
He doesn't point fingers. He doesn't say who it is, but he just says that. The disciples stress, and they're like, what? No, and they ask, am I the one, Lord? Judas says, am I the one, Rabbi? In your translation, it might say master. It refers to teacher. Am I the one, teacher? And we see right away that for Judas, he had never actually upgraded from teacher to Lord. He only saw Jesus as a teacher. He never actually saw Jesus as Lord. He never accepted Jesus as his Lord. And we see that it's very different from the disciples. And let me explain this better. Think about teachers. Uh, shout out to Donna. She's doing this slide. She's a teacher. <laughs> but where do teachers have the most authority? In a classroom. In a school. As soon as spring break is here, as soon as Christmas break, as soon as you graduate, all of a sudden those teachers don't have the same authority over your life. You're not nervous. You're not scared of them anymore. I, <laughs> I grew up in a very two different contexts. So I got to experience school in Africa when I was born in Congo, and I got to experience school in Calgary. And so I've seen very different things. Like for me, growing up in Africa, when we lived in Congo, um, you, if you were late, you would get beat by the teacher. If you got a question wrong, you guys think I'm playing. They would make us stand up, and we would have to go through, like, our mathematics times table thing. You have to, like, I already forgot it because I'm just traumatized. And if you got it wrong, boom, you get beat. If you showed up with your shirt unpressed, like right now, I would get, it has to be, like, perfectly ironed. And then when I came to school in Canada, my friends would get up in the middle of the classroom to go to the bathroom. They wouldn't even ask for permission. I had to ask permission to sharpen my pencil. <laughs> The teacher would have authority. Like some, when I was at Bible College at Summit, there was this one girl, I'm not going to say her name in case she's in the room. She showed up with sweatpants to class. <laughs> and then one time she showed up with a blanket and a pillow. And I was like, what is? It's an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> but regardless, in schools, the teachers run it. The teachers have the authority. The teachers have the final say. And the thing is, when we see Jesus as a teacher and not as Lord, we like the sermons. We like the Bible verses. We tattoo it. We put it on our Instagram. We come out here. We're like, oh, Pastor Dave preached a great message. But that's it. That's it. That's as far as we go. We like the sermons. We like the teaching, but we don't submit to it. We don't want to change to it. When you see Jesus as your Lord, that means when you make your decisions about how you spend your money, how you spend your time, how, what you give to, how you treat people in relationship, how you forgive, that means you submit to him. He's your Lord. As a teacher, you like it, you consider it, you think about it, you be polite about it, but that's it. And that's what Judas did. He liked what Jesus shared. He was intrigued by it, but he never moved past that. Do you only see Jesus as teacher? Because if that's the case, then you're more likely to actually walk away from him. Let me share with you the second thought is he wasn't willing to let Jesus heal him. Judas wasn't willing to let Jesus heal him. And this is, this, like, let's be honest. We all have struggles. We all have things that we wrestle with, okay? And we're humans, okay? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You and I, we're all sinners. I remember when I was in Bible college, Pastor Kim got the whole chapel to put their hand up and yell, I'm a sinner. And we're all like, is this? Are we doing this? But it's true. Like, everyone in this room, we've all sinned. We've all, we all have our own things, okay? So you don't have to be ashamed of that. But Judas, let me tell you about Judas, okay? Everyone go to Matthew 26, and let's look at verse, um, let's start from verse 6. I'll read off the screen. Let's start from verse 6, Matthew 26. 
So while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it all over his head. The disciples were indig indignant. I don't know how, Megan, how do you say that again? <laughs> you guys get it. And when they saw this, they were like, what a waste. Let's go to the next one. They said, it could have been sold for a higher price and the money could have been given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied to say, why do you criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? Um, you always have the poor among you, but you not always have me. Okay, let's stop there. Let's talk about this. So Jesus is at a dinner again, and he's the honored guest, okay? And so he's sitting at the dinner, and this lady, Matthew tells us, comes in with this beautiful, expensive jar, and she pours this perfume all over him, over his head. And the disciples, Matthew says, are like, what the heck? What a waste. Why would you waste all that? And so they're like, they're frustrated. Like, we could have used that money to, say, to, to bless the poor because that, it was worth a year's wages. And so a year's wages here, I looked it up in Abbotsford, it's around $50,000. So that was worth like $50,000 um, at that, like whatever a year's wages then. And so they're like, they're just stressed and like, are you serious? But then Jesus says like, why are you guys judging her? And so before I move on, let me, sh let me share with something quickly. Okay, I think there's a very different ways of telling stories, right? You guys probably have those friends that tell stories very differently. Um, for me, I have friends like that. Like, I have a friend. His name is Nathan. I don't know if he's here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He is. Um, Nathan, he is one of those long storytellers. You guys have those? <laughs> when I first met him, we were driving from Calgary to Alberta. It was two and a half hours long, and he talked the whole time. <laughs> He's a great storyteller. You're engaged, but it's such a long story. And so that's how he tells stories, okay? And I have a friend named Raj. And Raj, he's like the dramatic, like he wants you to be seated a certain way so he can tell. And he tells it so slow. I'm like, okay, get, get to the point, but we get it. But he just wants the drama. Like the other day he was telling us some news and he wanted us to be seated a certain way. If Megan started talking, he'd be like, just, and you're like, he just, he just likes it. And then my friend Vitali, he is the one that just throws in his own commentaries when he tells the stories. I'm like, just tell the story. I don't need to hear what you thought. Like every single time he's telling us the back end story. And so there's very different ways of telling stories. Some of you guys tell stories very differently. The gospels are very similar. Matthew, the way he tells it, is very different from the way John tells it. So that's what Matthew just told us. But if you read John, for the sake of time, I'll just paraphrase it for you. John's like, so this is what happened. The woman that came in to break that oil was Mary. And Mary comes in with this jar. And this jar is amazing. And I was reading a commentary that was talking about how, like, the way it was sculptured, sculptured it was such an expensive piece of, like, um, uh, I don't know the right word for it, but it was so expensive that when she broke it, like everyone in the room was like surprised. But then John tells us it was Judas that was like, what a waste. We could have used that money to bless the poor. But then John adds an extra commentary and he's like, that was also a lie. Judas wasn't going to use that money to bless the poor. And on top of that, Judas actually used to steal money from the bag. So John just, everyone's like, wait, what just happened? Like that, John just, you know, told the story completely different. And so we start to see, and the first thing I want to show you guys is this, okay? The first thing is, this was Judas' struggle, money. Judas' thing was money, okay? He had this, and like, let's put ourselves in this position, okay? Maybe he grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of money, okay? Maybe Judas didn't know what he was going to eat for dinner every day. Maybe Judas didn't get to spend as much time with his family because his parents had to go work. Maybe Judas never had the nice things, and so he grew up with this feeling of like, I want more money, I want more money. And it's okay because a lot of our struggles and addictions come from a lack of, right? We lack something, so we crave something that we shouldn't. 
So maybe that was Judas's thing. But the way that he didn't find healing is, one, is he acted fake. Judas didn't really open up. He walked around with Jesus for three years, and he's, oh, we're going to use that money to bless the poor. Oh, what a waste. That's what he's saying out loud, but really he has hidden motives. And some of us, we do that. Let me tell you something that's really scary. You can walk with Jesus for so many years, but unless you truly open up to him, unless you truly be real, he's not going to heal who you pretend to be. And Judas was walking around pretending to be this, like, very, oh, we're going to use that money for the poor. It's like, no, Judas. Like, can you, can you guys, let's, put, let's just be, imagine this for a second. Imagine if Judas went to Jesus and was like, Jesus, I, I have this issue with money. I have this issue with, can you help me? Do you think Jesus would have been like, everybody, <laughs> do you think that's what he would have done? Judas, Jesus would have embraced him. He would have helped him. And some of us, before we judge Judas, we do that with Jesus. We don't bring the things that we struggle with. We don't bring that addiction. You don't bring those thoughts. You don't bring those negative attitudes to Jesus. You don't bring it to your pastors. You don't bring it to your leaders. You don't bring it to other members of the church to be praying for you. And instead, you just act fake. You act like you're put together. And I'm telling you, I know I can tell some of you guys are tired of carrying this, this, this image of being this perfect person. But in the face of Jesus, in his presence, you don't have to act that. You don't have to act like you have it all together. You can come to him as you are. Jesus chose Judas long before he did what he did. That means Jesus knew what he was going to do. If you read the Gospels, it says every time they list the disciples in the beginning, you know what they say? They list all the disciples, Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. So Jesus already knew. Jesus already knows what you're struggling with. Jesus knows the thing that's weighing you down. And I'm telling you the best thing to do is to bring it to him. It's to bring it to him because he wants to heal you. Here's the last thought about this story is when we don't let Jesus heal us, we find worship wasteful. I heard a preacher talk about this point, and it hit me so much. Because here's the thing. What's going to happen is we're going to be sitting in a church service, and you're going to see someone get up there and just raise their hands and cry out to God. You're going to see someone, like, give so much energy and time. And you're like, why, why are they doing this all for Jesus? Why are I wasting all my time? Because we don't understand what God has done for them. And because we haven't fully let Jesus heal us, we see other people who are just giving their worship to God, who actually have a clear picture of what Jesus could do for their life. We see their actions as wasteful. We actually like mock people who dance, mock people who sing out loud, mock people who are crying in tears for God. And we're like, because we don't get it because we haven't fully let him heal us. And I'm convinced if we saw things like Mary, who was just so in adoration of how beautiful Jesus is, I think we would do the same. I think we would give more of our time. I think we would give more of our money. I think we would worship louder. We would sing higher. We'd raise our hands higher because we know what he's done for us. And some of you guys know what he's done for you. Come on. Some of you guys know what he's done for you. Some of you know what he's done for you. He's healed you. He set you free from that addiction. He saved your family. Your family wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. He's protected you since you were in your mother's womb. And he's still protecting you to this day. When you understand that, you just want to worship him. You don't care if Pastor Nick sings longer than the... Because oh, you just want to sing. You don't care if Pastor Dave preaches long because you're like, I just want, I want more of his word. You don't care if someone asks you, hey, can you go pray for these people? Can we go feed the hungry and spirit? Because you just want to worship him. But when you don't, when we haven't fully let him heal us, we see it as waste. We could have used it for something else. 
Here's my last thought. And Olivia can come and just play on the keys a little bit. We're going to spend some time in worship. I think, I think we need to respond to this message in our heart. But the last thing is Judas was disappointed in Jesus. He was disappointed in Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever been in this position where you were just kind of like hurt or you felt let down by God. Maybe you just felt like the timeline, I wanted to achieve this at a certain age. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have this job. I wanted to have this money. I thought people were going to like me. I thought, God, you're going to answer this prayer. I thought you're going to heal this person. I thought you were going to protect me. And then you're hurt. Let me tell you about Judas. So Judas was walking with Jesus for all these years. And the thing about Judas is he consistently heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is near. So he's sitting there. He's thinking, Jesus is going to come dethrone that Roman empire. And now I'm going to be close to Jesus. He's going to take over. The government's going to go. And then we're going to take over. That's, that was Judas's thoughts. But then you come to the end of Matthew this, this time, and Judas is starting to be like, why is Jesus talking about dying? You're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to be the one in power. You're supposed to be the one that's actually coming to change all these different things. And now we're hurt. But you know what's really interesting? Judas didn't want a king. He wanted a slave. Sometimes we get in these positions where we have a checklist of what we want Jesus to do for us. And if he doesn't do it at a certain time, if he doesn't do it in a certain manner, if he doesn't do it, then we're disappointed and we're going to walk away. And in that moment, I want to challenge you to think about this because the truth is, do you really want a king or do you want a slave? Do you want someone to just do your to-do list or do you actually want to worship and submit to him? Judas had the wrong desires when he was walking with Jesus. And this is what happens when we don't check our motives. Let's go to Matthew 26. Let's start from verse 14. So then Judas, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. For from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Okay, let me show you a couple of things about this. So Judas goes to the high priest and he says, how much will you give me to betray Jesus? Okay, the high priest, let's just say they represent our culture. There's so many things in this world that don't want you to have a relationship with Jesus. There's so many things in this world that want to come in between you and your faith with God. There's Instagram, there's social media, there is careers and ambition and comparison and all these things that are begging for your attention. Because they want to se- separate you with Jesus. There's those things, okay? And those things are always knocking on our door. But when we don't deal with the disappointment or the thoughts that we have with God, we'll go to those things and ask, how much will you give me to betray Jesus? We'll go to social media and ask, what can I give to you that you will give back to me so I can betray Jesus? We'll go to our careers and throw ourselves because we're looking for something that we can't find in this relationship with God. We'll go to broken relationships and all these expectations and we'll say, how much will you give me to betray Jesus? How much will you give me to walk away from this? Because we haven't dealt with that hurt. You know, I don't want you guys to walk out of here thinking that God doesn't want to provide for your needs. The Bible says that he loves to provide for his kids. The Bible says in Matthew that what kind of father, if you ask him for bread, he'll give you a rock. If you ask him for fish, he'll, if you ask him for fish, he'll give you a snake. 
if your heavenly father can give you, if your earthly father can give you good gifts, how much more would your heavenly father give you? So he loves to do that. He also says that he watches the lilies and the birds. Like he loves to provide. That's who he is. He loves to provide for you and I. But when we let the things that he does for us drive our faith, we're in trouble. Because Jesus told us, in this world, you have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome. I've overcome. And so you see he's kind of sitting there because he's like, what if he doesn't want to change your situation because he wants to change you? And if you're sitting here with this timeline on this expectation, then you're missing the point because for him, he sees the bigger picture. He knows where he wants you to be. And trust me, and you know this too, if you were in charge of your life, you wouldn't do nearly as good of a job. You're so happy you're not in that relationship. You're so happy you don't work at that job. You're so happy you don't go to that places because of what he's protected you from. And some of us, we try to come with our shopping list because we think we know better. We think we know. And, and, and um, Timothy Keller, one of my favorite preachers, talks about this and he says, what you think about when you say God says a lot about who you are. And he encourages like, look, look at David, look at David in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, because God is able to clean you and create something in you. But when we're disappointed, when we pay attention to sin, and keep in mind, like sin is fun. Let's, let's be real. Sin is, fun. sin is pleasurable, but sin leaves us even way more broken than we left us. And that's what happened to Judas. They gave him the money, but when he realized what he did, I'm sure he probably felt good in the moment, but after that, he was even way more broken than he was before. And that's what happens sometimes when given to sin, is we feel good in the moment, you feel powerful, you feel seen or loved or whatever, but it leaves you even way more broken. And Judas felt bad for what he did. Judas felt bad, but he didn't repent. And that's the biggest difference. Is It's okay, like bank robbers feel bad. <laughs> Everyone feels bad. But it's your response to that. And Judas sat there and be like, oh, look what I've done to an innocent man. Instead of going down, if he had waited a couple more days, and this is something as a church that we need to be good at is like going to the Father and, and actually repenting. Because worldly repentance is you and I looking at ourselves and thinking, I can fix this. I can do this. But that guilt and shame doesn't go away. But when we go on our knees and we pray and say, Lord, I'm sorry I fell into this problem again. I'm sorry I didn't think of you. I'm sorry I walked away from you. Can you please forgive me? Can you please wash me? He is able to. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. That's why he went on the cross to wash you and I and make us clean. And there's nothing, there is nothing that you can do that's going to separate you from his love. His arms are wide open for you. And there's no such thing as going too far. And I know some of you guys probably feel this way. You feel like you've done too much and you've lost him and there's no more grace for you. I'm telling you, that's why he went to the cross. And so you and I can actually come clean. Don't be like Judas. Feel bad and walk away. Be like the Christian that God's called us to. Go on your knees and repent of your sins because he wants to forgive you. He wants to wash you. And let me show you something. Let me show you something. And the bank can come back up so I can finish. Let me show you guys something. Okay, look at Jesus' response, okay? Look at Jesus' response. He chose Judas. He chose Judas. That means he's constantly choosing you too. I know some of you guys don't believe it, but he's choosing you. 
He chose Judas from the beginning. He called him. Timothy Keller points out this really cool thing is look at the way Jesus talks to Judas. Okay? He asked him when Judas came to betray Jesus. He said, Judas, you betray your, you, you betray your friend with a kiss? One of you is going to betray me? The, the connection here is, is these are counseling techniques. Jesus was trying to get Judas to think about what he's doing. And some of you guys, that's the Holy Spirit's work in your life. He's nudging you back. You're going to do this? You're going to walk away from Jesus? But let me show you his response to all this. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I need you guys to just stay with me for a couple more minutes because this, if I could preach anything, this is what I want to preach, okay? So Matthew 26, let's start from verse 36, okay? Let me show you Jesus. So then Jesus went with, Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said sit here while I go over there to pray he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons James and John and he became anguish and distress he told them my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me verse 39 says he went a little further and bowed to his face to the ground praying my father if it's possible let this cup of suffering be taken from me yet your will be done and not mine verse 40 then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep and he said Peter couldn't you watch with me even for an hour keep watching pray so that you won't give into temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak and then verse 42 says then Jesus left them a second time my father if this cup cannot be taken away from me unless I drink it your will be done when he returned to them he said he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open so he went again a third time okay and I'll just read this so then I can just talk longer. Okay, so verse 45, at noon, this is Matthew 27. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At that time, three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. I don't know how to pronounce that, but this is what it means. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Okay, let me show you what's happening here. So Jesus is in the garden and he's going to pray. That's Matthew 26 from 30 on. He's going to pray. And as he's praying, keep in mind, commentaries tell us that he's probably went to this place hundreds of times to pray. He's gone there so often that Judas actually knew where he would be when he brought the soldiers to come grab him. But for some reason, prayer is harder this time. He's stressed. He's nervous. N.T. Wright talks about how he starts to sweat blood. And then... What we see here is almost like, I don't know if I'm going to explain this well, but it's almost like there's this picture. What's taking place in the garden is um, he's getting a clear picture about what he's about to do. Because his mission that's coming ahead, he's known for a very long time. But in this moment as he's praying, he's starting to see the pain, the suffering. It's almost like heaven is starting to like slowly move back from him and he's starting to see hell come closer and he's starting to be like, oh my goodness. And he gets a picture of what it's like for God to leave him in the garden. And this is really cool before I move on is he chooses to still go on the cross. And this is big. Everyone can love you in public. Everyone can love you when everyone's watching, but can they choose to love you in private when it's hard for them? Jesus did. He chose to actually still go on with a mission. And then, check this out. 
He's walking to the cross. He's betrayed by all his friends. He's being beaten, abused. He's hanging naked. They're piercing him. He hangs on the cross. Now he's starting being like they're piercing him and they're mocking him. They're saying, if you're really who you are, get off that cross. And they're yelling and accusing him and all this other stuff. He didn't say a single thing. But you know when he says something is when God, when he, when God abandoned him, when God left him. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think, I think this is it. I think this is why he went to the cross. He didn't want you to live eternity without God. Jesus was thinking, the world is full of suffering and pain, but all that suffering doesn't compare, doesn't compare to eternity without God. He was thinking, I don't want them to go through that. He was thinking of Judas. He was thinking of you and I. And he's thinking, I don't want them to walk in this life without God. I don't want them to die and experience life without God because we think this is suffering. And it's fair. And I don't want to minimize your suffering because it's real. Some of us are getting really terrible news. Some of us are walking through tough situations, economy, everything's expensive. Our bodies are aching and that is painful. But let me tell you something. The greatest suffering of all is the life without God. The most painful suffering is eternity without God. And that's what Jesus did. That's why he went to the cross. And so you and I cannot experience that suffering, not experience that pain. And I want to tell you, I don't know who you are, but if you feel like you've gone too far, if you messed up, I'm telling you, he went on that cross so that you can be set free. He fought for you. He was ransomed for you and I. That's the love of Jesus. That's the gospel. When people say in the gospel, that's what we preach about. That's what we get excited when we see new people come here. That's what we get excited when we see people getting baptized. That's what we, we ask you guys to give. That's what we ask you guys to pray. That's what we ask you to join these things. That's why we pray for you because we know the love of God. And that's why you are still here today. It's because of his love and his favor of your life. And so I want us to respond to this message because every time the word of God is preached, we have to respond. And I don't want you to walk out of here and be like, oh, that joke was funny, that point was good, and that's it. I want you to respond. So if you're in this room, if you're in this room and you still see Jesus as a teacher and you want prayer and you, wanna, you want him to help you start to see him as God, you want to start submitting to him and let him be your Lord, today we're going to pray you're in this room and you haven't let him heal you and there's struggles and addictions in your life that are just too much and too heavy and they're weighing you down let me tell you guys something he's not he's not he doesn't look at your struggles and think wow this person's too far gone your struggles don't scare him and if you want healing for that we're gonna pray for that too the third one that we're gonna pray about is if you're in this room and maybe you're disappointed you're hurt, you feel let down by Jesus, by God. And this is a message, the gospel of Judas, the message of Judas is this. It's not just for the people who don't know Jesus. It's actually for the Christians that have been walking with Jesus for a very long time. It's for us. It's for the saints in the room. It's the ones that have been serving him for 40, 50, 70, 80 years because we can all walk and life can actually become hard. I want you to come clean before the Lord. And something that I didn't want to touch on, this is the last thing that I want to pray for, but because I don't feel super qualified to talk about this, but I definitely think we definitely need to pray for this. If you're in this room and you've been having suicidal thoughts, the story of Judas is really sad because the way it ends is he takes his life. And I'm telling you, my friends, 
Jesus died so that you didn't have to. And the world is full of so much shame and guilt. And it's weighing on you, but I'm telling you, he's able to carry that for you. And the Bible says that he can give you power to take, to take, to take, to take captive of all your thoughts. And so if you're in this room and that's you, we want to pray. So can I invite everybody to stand up, please? If you feel like you want to pray for those things personally, we're opening up the front and I want to invite you, whoever you are, if one of those four things apply to you, I want to invite you to come to the front. And if you're in this room especially and you're just, you feel a nudge on your heart to pray and seek him and worship and just be lost in worship, I want to invite you to come to the front as well. It's not the front, is the front still on you a place that we could pray? If you feel comfortable, you could pray there too. But I want to invite some of us to take the step of faith and actually come out of our seats and actually worship him. We're going to sing this song called I Surrender. And I just think, and as I was prepping the sermon, this was the prayer, was that we can just lay everything down. You've been carrying it for too long. You've been trying to stay put together for so long. You're trying to fix it on your own. He is able to do it. He endured the pain and suffering so you didn't have to. And so, Father God, we just open up the space to you to do what only you could do. Holy Spirit, I pray for you to move in this place. As we sing this song, as we cry out to you, I know there's people in here, God, who their heart is beating and you're talking on them, and it's you that's speaking to them, God. I pray that you give them the boldness to reach out to you in repentance and forgiveness, O oh Lord. And so we open up the space. Come do what only you could do. We invite you in here. We're going to sing this song, and if you want to come to the front, you're welcome to. Let's sing this together.